concluding our series on next. Next week, we're going to talk about stewardship. We were going to talk about stewardship this week. And just scrap in your mind, though, what you think about stewardship right now, okay? Because next week, it's going to blow your mind what we're going to talk about because it's not the way you perceive it when it comes to stewardship. We were going to talk about purpose last, about your life, but switched it a little bit because the thing is, purpose in your life really informs stewardship, okay? And you'll hear more about the stewardship aspect next week. But we want to challenge, we want to help, uh, we want to uh, educate, I guess you could say, on uh, what it means to have purpose with your life, to live on purpose, to do things with purpose, okay? And that's very essential. And this is um, coming from uh, uh, literally an amazing character in the Word, one, literally one of my favorite um, out, of, uh, out of the Old Testament uh, that I, I love to share about. His, his story always challenges me, and uh, I love it. But how many of you guys love a good story. How many love a good story? There is an art in storytelling, right? Have you ever met people that are the most amazing storytellers, right? Maybe it's like your grandparent. Uh, Damani's like, humility.com. He's like, me. Okay, I saw those hands, all right? But maybe it's a grandparent, all right? Maybe it's your mom or dad, you know, or maybe it is you, Damani, okay? But... Somebody that the, the art of storytelling is amazing, right? I love it. Uh, and just to be captivated where they, they just uh, make your, your imagination just blow up in your mind because you're just so excited about what they're saying. They, t- they take you there. You're with them. You feel it. You smell it. Uh, it's one of those kinds of things that we see in this Old Testament story out of the book of Joshua. Um, and it's a, uh, a question that, that uh, was, was posed to me, not necessarily coming from the Old Testament, um, but coming from a place in my life when I sat in on a service and this gentleman who was sharing, he asked a question um, that then led to me discovering what Joshua had to say about it. And this question isn't very complex whatsoever. It's not one of those things that, you know, you're like, it's on the screen. It's not one of those things that you, you know, uh, would debate forever in your life and and do focus groups to try to figure it out and to you know pay lots of money for research and development no it's simple it's it's four words four words what is your life what is your life and this is one of those things when it comes to purpose this question is paramount this is one of those things that keep you up at night though right College students trying to declare your major. Anybody done that yet or not done that? Has anybody not done that yet? Did you not declare your Fun times, right? She's like, her hand barely went up. It's like a worship service, you know. It's like, my arms are so short. Okay. Um, But declaring your major is one of those things. That's one of the, you know, what am I going to do? All right. Or, or this happens too in college. I remember this and I've seen it. You're nearing the end of your college career. We're not going to raise hands on this one. You're nearing the end of your college career and you're single. Okay? Don't raise hands. I won't call names, James. Um, you're nearing the end of your, your college career and you're thinking, what, is my, what am I going to do? I don't even have anybody to spend the rest of my life. You know what I'm saying, right? Whatever. Or situation, circumstance happens and blah, 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 you know. This kind of question, though, runs deep. This kind of question, you know, in you, you're not telling everybody about it necessarily, but you're feeling it all the time. What is your life? You're wondering, what's my purpose? Why am I here? What am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? What, what, what? It's deep. You're thinking, what in the world does this have to do with the Old Testament? Though? What does this have to do with Joshua? If you look in James chapter 4, this question comes up in a major way. You can read with me on your screen. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, 
Spend a year there. Carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. That paints a picture of life, doesn't it? You're like, well, I was encouraged coming in, and now I just realize I'm a small blip on the radar. Wow, this is great. Church was fun today. He hates me, okay? And God does too. No, all right? It's not like that. But life is temporal. I even noticed within myself, things are changing in the old chassis, okay? You, I could think about losing weight, and it would happen, all right? I could th- be like, what do you want to do? I'm just going to stop drinking soda, and all of a sudden, 10 pounds fall off. Now, I, I don't have soda. You have to stop. You just have to stop eating, you know? <laughs> you probably should move a little bit. It's called exercise. Um, it's a new, new thing that they're doing these days. All the kids are doing it. But um, <laughs> things change. Life is quick. Before you know it, right, you're a little bit older than you were yesterday. And like your skin's, what is up with this? It's like wrinkles now and stuff. What happened, okay? That's the way I feel sometimes. But it's but a vapor, a mist, here for just a little while and gone soon thereafter. What is your life? Let's get some context when we look into the Old Testament and Joshua's story. We see that the Israelite people are camped just across the Jordan River, the very thing that separated them from the land that God told him he would give them. Now understand this. This is a new generation of Israelites What happened to the first one? Sadly, they all died in the desert because of their disobedience towards God. So this is the the second generation who were taught what it meant to respect, honor, and obey God. These were the ones that were getting ready to take a hold of their promise, of of what God had put in their hearts, their purpose in life. Something else to keep in mind, Joshua and Caleb were the only two people that were left from this previous generation because they were known for their faith in God and their obedience to him as well. Remember, they were the ones that gave the positive report when they looked at the promised land. So now we look at this first chapter of Joshua. And you can look at it on your screen and follow with me. Uh, And it's verses 1 through 10. Read it with me. After the death of Moses, not out loud. After the death of Moses, could have got awkward really quick. You know, where it's like, after, 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 you know, and I'm just like, oh, that's not reverb. That's people reading, okay? After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. That's a pretty conclusive statement. Do you not think so? Okay. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and and successful. 
Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go to the land the Lord your God has given you for your own. Is that not an amazing story? Think about it. Were you there? Could you smell the water? Could you smell the earth? Could you, you hear the, 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 the water just flowing by? You're there and you're looking across. And, you, and in your mind, you're reflecting back to the stories you heard growing up about how big the giants were and how this land was crazy and there's, there's so many things that could go wrong, but yet there's so much possibility across the river. You're sitting there on the shore thinking about, man, is my purpose really across the river? Can I do this? Will I make it? This is a big deal. God said he'll be with Joshua like he was with Moses, but this is a new guy. I mean, look what happened to Moses. I don't know. This is kind of scary. Can you see yourself in this story, in this situation, there with these guys about to pursue the promise and the purpose for their life? There's a few things that I wanted to share with you from this portion of Scripture um, that, that I pulled out that I think really applied to me as, as I prepare, but also applied to all of us today and, and really every day of our lives if we think about it. A few things that I want you to understand that you got to get that when it comes to finding your purpose in life, you need to understand these are kind of those non-negotiable things that you got to get and you got to put it inside and you got to keep it. Because I can tell you, I can tell you that there will always be people saying that you won't be able to make it, that it's too hard, that you know what? You're thinking about that major? I wouldn't declare that major. That's crazy. You know how much work that's going to take? Or that, oh, I don't know if you should think about that relationship. Have you? Dude, she's out of your league. Bro, go for it. Okay? <laughs> Just saying. All right? There's a few things I want to share with you, though. That God has a promise for your life. Verses 3 through 5, we see it simply stated, I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, remember that? Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. I will be with you as I was with Moses. Let me ask you this question. Do you ever feel like that God has told you something he wanted to do with your life? Do you ever feel like that he's deposited this small little nugget of information or maybe even a word or a location or something that he's put in your heart that he says, this is what I want you to do kind of thing? Where you felt like, is that God or is that the Taco Bell? Okay. Um, <laughs> if you've had Taco Bell, you know what I'm talking about. All right. <laughs> Stay far away and all the people around you say amen. Okay. Um, but is this something that, <laughs> truth. <laughs> The struggle's real, all right? It's your fifth meal, but it could be the one that kills you, all right? But have you ever felt like God's put something in you, though? Put something or deposited a small glimpse or a little picture of something, a preferred will like we talked about in your life? Joshua knew what that felt like. He knew that reality. And look, this was a tremendous task. Lead all these idiots across the river, basically. Because Joshua grew up in the previous generation. He saw what fools they were. He saw them. He saw their stupidity and how they didn't follow God. He's, and he's thinking, God, you sure you didn't say someone else, like the, my buddy down the road or something? Because I, I don't know about this. Have you met these people, right, God? 
You ever feel like God's told you something crazy to do or even just something simple to do? You understand what I'm talking about here. God has and does deposit things in your life and dreams and desires for you. I'm reminded of what the prophet Jeremiah said when he penned the words that God gave him. He stated this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. I love, I love that God never stops dreaming for my life. Never stops dreaming. As a parent, I feel the same way. I never stop dreaming for my kids. I want them to do better than me. Have you ever heard of parents, or you may have the parents, that when you do well, they're jealous? They probably need to get saved, okay? Um, but there's some parents that don't, they, don't, they can't appreciate that their kids are a better generation than they are. God wants you to be better than the previous generation, and then God wants to instill in you and place in you the desire for your next generation to be even better than you. God has plans that does not just start with you and does not stop with you, but that goes on from generation to generation. He dreams about your life. Scripture also says this, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nation. That's Jeremiah's life. As a prophet to the nation, someone who speaks for God. God has been thinking about you and dreaming about your life since before you were even born. He can't wait to use you for many things for his kingdom. He can't wait to use you to make a difference in your school, a difference in your workplace, a difference in your home. Sadly, sometimes students, kids are more of leaders in their home than parents. But he can use you. Don't be afraid. Okay? Understand this. God has a promise for your life, and he wants to take you to places on the journey to fulfilling that promise. The second thing you do is understand this. There are people, there are people counting on you. There are people counting on you. I think back to a time um, as <laughs> when we lived back in Maryland. We got some Maryland folks up in here. Raise your hand, Maryland folks. Even Eastern Maryland folks, not the shore, but Annapolis and the Ellicott City area we came from. Well, when we were over there, uh, and we worked at the church um, in Ellicott City, um, Kara also worked evenings at a restaurant. And she went back to work when little Andalyn was just two months old, okay? And uh, Andalyn was very dependent on her mother, if you know what I'm saying. And I did not have the necessary tools <laughs> to help Andalyn. She had depended on her mother, okay? So, therefore... Nutrition was farmed out to father. Let's just go there, okay? We'll go with that. I remember these times, though. Three kids. Yeah. A newborn, basically, is what it felt like. And then this guy who has no ovarian fortitude whatsoever, okay? <laughs> trying to be mommy, trying to be daddy, okay? Trying to be housekeeper, trying to, okay? And um, there were some times, though, that I knocked it out of the park. This is next week's blog on humility.com. Um, knocked it out of the park where Kara was like, what would you do today? Oh, we went to the mall. Um, we, we ate in the food court. Um, I got Andalyn. I was feeding her and had the kids with their nuggets. And had, she was like, really? And it, it, you do what you got to do, okay? And Because she was scared to take them out even at that point, all three of them. But I don't care. You just go with it, right? That's what dads do. We're not really that prepared, but we're pretty good sometimes, okay? During that time, I realized something, though. 
My kids were counting on me, literally, because if Anlin didn't eat, you would hear it, and everybody else would hear it as well, okay? There'd be times I'm sitting up in a restaurant. I'm like, can you get me a hot glass of water? I'd be dropping a bag in that, warming up some milk. I'd be, you know, getting the uh, hamburgers split up. It was legit. It was, I, I don't think it can happen anymore. God gave me strength for the season. I think it's gone, okay? Um, but I knew that these little guys were counting on me. Baths before bed. You know what I'm saying? Like, super, I grew my hair long. I'm kidding. I didn't do all that, Okay. I'm not going to go there. Okay, we're going to move on. <laughs> I realized, though, in those times that God was with me. I needed help. I had to be, and this might be a little silly to some of you, like, just take care of your kids. Try it, fellas, okay? Strong in these moments, like women are all the time, okay? Courageous, uh, that's not so much. Strong is what I really needed because I, in and of myself, I was a hot mess. But I realized I had to do what I had to do. There's people counting on you though you think that your life is insignificant you think that you just can go and do whatever you want and it doesn't matter the thing is god has a purpose for your life and he has people that are counting on you to share what he's put in your heart i'm telling you your story right what he's put in there the things that he's deposited people are waiting literally and that's what we felt coming into this community there's people that were waiting for the foundry they haven't realized where it's at yet spiritually or even in the location but there's people that were looking for this. They were looking for this family. They were looking for what they get when they come here. There's people counting on you. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Go after it. Don't stop short of reaching out to someone that God's called you to reach out to. Ephesians 4.1, one of my life verses as well, says this. Live a life worthy of your calling. We're supposed to be in relationship with him. And this isn't a negative connotation, but in relationship with them. It's important for us to understand him, then them, him, then them. Okay, if you always keep that in your mind, right, him, then them, you will move forward in these relationships and you will understand that there are people counting you and you will be the answer to what they need at that certain point in time. We shared before, remember that everybody has that I, I was blind, but now I see moment, the before and after. That's your story to capitalize on when you're sharing with others, okay? It's important. I remember uh, growing up uh, in my house. At one point, my father uh, became handicapped, and uh, he was uh, at the end of his life wheelchair bound. Okay, I shared some other you know real stories about my dad a few weeks ago, and um, here's another real story. But uh, this one has a good ending. Okay, um, I'll give you a little a little little sidebar to that though. One time when we went home, when he was in his wheelchair, he wasn't super bad off at this point, but we went to visit Fredericksburg where he was with mom and, and the house there. And I remember we pulled in the driveway, and all of a sudden I hear, hey, hey. And I'm like, what in the world's going on, right? You, you trust me, you'll laugh, okay? If you don't, or if you, yeah. So I'm like, hey, going around the side of the house. And literally, it looked like a, a commercial from Help I Fall and I Can't Get Up. <laughs> Dad, his wild self and his little electric cart, okay, he was off the chain. You would have loved him at the same time. He was funny sometimes. Off, he was trying to go around the side of the house, hit a stump, <laughs> rolled his cart. He's sitting over there, and he's like, help, hey, help. I'm like, Dad, what are you doing? What are you doing, man? Just trying to get around the house, Josh. 
But dad still had a, a, really, a really good side to his heart, though. He really did love people. And um, after he passed, uh, Christopher, one of our neighbors, told the story of my dad. And uh, how he, he, he told the story of how, you know, dad was, was always there to listen to him. Dad was someone that when Christopher was going through struggles as a teenager uh, and a young adult, that he would, he would listen to him and he would spend time with him. And he talked about, uh, to, about legacy even with him because I think dad realized that maybe his legacy with his kids wasn't the best. And he'd be trying to fix it within another generation, you know. He understood how important legacy was and how important to even talk to, to Christopher for that moment. But Christopher shared with me, he said, man, your dad was such a, such a trip, such a good guy. But he said something. You know, he said, um, it matters who you are, Christopher. It matters who you are. I think that was the, the whole gist of the, the conversation. And that just sat with him, with Christopher, for a long time. And even after Dad passed, he shared this with us because he knew that, that legacy was the key. He knew that people would be counting, that Chris, people would be counting on Christopher someday. And he knew that moment is what he had to do and what he had to say to help Christopher understand who he was and what he was supposed to do with his life. Now, what can be most difficult about uh, moving ahead in our promises and with people is that we, from time to time, look back before we go forward. We look back before we go forward. And there's something that we have to understand. This is a, the third observation, is that we all have a past. We all have a past. Again, a lot of times this is a negative thing, right, when you think back. Past is a negative, right? Where I have a history. I have a past. I don't want to necessarily talk about it right now. You know, some people talk like that, and it's like, well, what would you do? I stole candy. And it's like, <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> we definitely don't want to talk about mine, okay? It's very colorful. We're not talking about a finger painting class, all right? It's very colorful, right? Um, but we all have a past, some wins, some losses, some ups and downs. But with, with God, thankfully, all things have become new, and that's important for us to understand. But God tells Joshua again, be strong and very courageous. This is in verses 7 and 8. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. You can see the rest of it there on your screen. But be successful wherever you go. The past is understanding what it is is what it is. Success and failure, it is what it is. But if you follow God and what he's put in your life, the future will be filled with success. Now, this isn't a, your best life now message, okay? But what I'm saying is this. Understand that when you give everything to him, everything, the future success is going to be amazing, okay? Joshua knew this and understood it well. But how, how does this make sense to us now? We see the law, the Ten Commandments that we have in our word uh, to understand that these are things, these rules aren't to, to bind you or hold you down. They're to give you life. Right? A child naturally flourishes in controlled environments with rules and regulations. For them. They actually crave them. Okay? They're like, well, what do you want me to do? Kind of thing. It actually helps them. It gives structure. Who are we to think that we, we give our life to God through Jesus and then we just go do whatever we want? That's not healthy. That's not the solution and that's not the answer. We have law for the reason of helping us make it through life. His law is love. Is it a good idea to murder somebody? We'll leave it at that. Okay? You understand what I'm saying. All right? Just look in there. You'll understand what I'm talking about. 
Okay, the law is for a reason. And how do we, we keep his word, his law, all of it close to our heart? And it informs our everyday decisions. Now, some of the things, you know, we're not having, you know, uh, like Old Testament battles right now. You don't go down the street here and there's people rolling down with chariots and stuff, which would be cool. Maybe we can do something like that someday. You never know. There's some people that are, that are LARPing and stuff and with their... Oh, hopefully I didn't step on anybody's foam sword. But the thing is... That just happened, okay? (laughs) The word is still the same because God's still the same. The word is still applicable and it leads and guides us in everything. That's his goal. That's that's why he gave it to us to help us every step of the way because he He loves us. God doesn't want our past, the negative things, to determine our future. He doesn't want us also to think that we can make it on our own without him. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Apart from him, we are nothing. But with him, we have everything. That's key. That was a word that was even given to our church, right? The vine and branches. Guys, on our own, we die. But with him, we have life. That's the key. Life and life everlasting. The last thing I want to share with you is this, is understanding that um, uh, given our past and that people are counting on us and that God has a promise for your life, We have to be willing to take possession of what's rightfully yours. Joshua, at the ripe age of 85, became the leader of over a million people. Can you imagine that? It's hard enough leading a small church is what they say at this point. It's crazy hard to do that. And I'm younger, all right? I'm I'm, I'm 27. Okay, that's a lie. That would be the other staff. Okay, um, but it's hard to lead. But you've got to be willing to take what's rightfully yours. He says this. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua. So Joshua. Okay, this is him. So Joshua making his move. This is Joshua taking what's rightfully, rightfully his. Ordered the officers of the people. Go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan where you will go in and take possession of the land your God has given you for your own. He says, get ready. Here's the thing. We have to get ready. We have to prepare as such that we are ready to take possession of what God's placed in our heart. The purpose and those promises that he's placed within us. If we don't ever prepare, we'll never get to the place of receiving it. Right? A garden does not grow on its own. It takes work. It takes time. It takes understanding the seasons and understanding where you're at and what kinds of things will grow at this time and what things will not. It takes preparation. But I want to encourage you in this. Say you've known for a long time. Say you've understood your purpose for your life. Say you've understood what God wants to do. You can start preparing now, and he'll still take care of you. You didn't miss the opportunity. You didn't miss the call of God. You can still answer the phone. He's still waiting on the line. He's still standing at the door and he's knocking. He's waiting for you to answer. That's how good God is. He loves you so much. Again, he will never leave you nor forsake you. But what does it take for us to to see this realized in our life? Joshua 3, 2 through 5. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. 
when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your, your God, and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves. Set yourself apart is what that word means. Set yourself apart for his service. You know, set yourself apart. Get rid of pride, lust, hatred, whatever comes between your relationship with God. This is something I got to work on every single day. Because there's so many things that come between me and God. Human nature. But I have to daily consecrate myself. Set myself apart. Come off of your pedestal, dude. You have not arrived at anything but servanthood. Come down from that lofty position in your mind that you think you got it made or that you're good to go. Set yourself apart for the things of God. Be reminded of his promises. Be reminded of the things that he's told you. Because if you're full of yourself, you're destined to fail. If you're full of me, you'll find success. It's hard for us to realize that lesson. It's so hard. Joshua knew that he had to share this with his people. He knew that they needed to get ready to consecrate themselves so that they could go and take possession of what God had for their lives. Our worship team is going to come forward and we're going to, we're going to sing a song in just a few moments. Um, you guys can get ready if you don't mind. And, and this has kind of been a, a theme, I think, over the past couple of weeks of surrender. And it's so important for our lives to, to have a position of surrender, is it not? A position of um, just whatever you want, God. Whatever you want to do, whatever you need to do, whatever I need to learn, whatever I need to hear, I surrender. Because when you find surrender and when you're in the position of giving everything to God, you find the fullness of life. You find your purpose. You find your promise. The challenge that Joshua left at the end of his life, and we see that in chapter 24, is a challenge that I want to share with you guys today. Uh, the concluding thought, the concluding moment, you know, really the, the thrust into a time of, of really meditating with God and just, you know, searching yourself and, and surrendering what needs to be given to him. This is it. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. See, this, this scripture comes at a time when they were in the promise. And here's the thing. Students, adults of all ages, you're going to find yourself arriving in your promise and your purpose for your life. And then you're going to find yourself in that place of decision. Will I continue? You can, you can start. You're good. Will I continue to consecrate myself? Or will I choose to be full of myself? Will I choose to surrender everything again today as I did yesterday? Or will I say, I got it. Guys, I don't care where you're at on the spiritual scale. I got to do this, man. Pastors here, right? We got to do this. Leaders, we got to do this. Everybody, we've got to do this. 
I can tell the difference between a consecrated life and a life that is led by myself. Distinguishable difference. I can tell. It's not right. God's challenging you guys today to, to say, all right, when it comes to the question of what is my life, what is my purpose, I'm going to listen to what God says. And not only am I going to listen, but I'm going to go take possession of it. I'm going to take what's rightfully mine. As for me and my house, as for me, I'm going to serve God. Look, guys, I drive down the same road. It's college students that you, you drive down. It's not easy out there for you. There is struggle. There is opportunity for anything in the world. Right? The workforce out here is not easy for folks. There's always pressure. It doesn't matter how old or how young. There's always pressure to conform. But God's desire is to consecrate. It's to set yourself apart for his service, for his will and his plan for your life. This informs all stewardship. And you'll hear more about it next week. Consecrating, setting yourself apart, being in tune with what God has for your life informs it all. It's your marching orders. It's what you do. It's how you live. It's who God's made you to be. I want you guys to stand with me. And I know you may have you know, had a moment in worship where you really felt God. I just want you to kind of take that and let's build upon it. Take that moment and um, close yourself in for a second. I want you to ask yourself, I want you to ask yourself, is there anything in me that separates me from God? Is there anything in me that breaks the relationship? Is there anything in me that would hold me back from discovering or living out his purpose for my life? If there is, I want you to place that thing in your mind and in your heart. And not necessarily overtly on your tongue, but on your tongue because you're going to give it to God in just a moment. Because if you don't deal with it now, it'll deal with you forever. If you don't squash it now, it'll hold you down forever. I promise you. I've met people almost 90 years old still dealing with things from their childhood they didn't allow God to deal with it for them. Literally. Breaks my heart. Breaks my heart that they've carried it that long. The thing is, if, if God has a purpose for your life, which He does, He wants you to live it out because He wants you to be filled with life. The life that He has for you. So maybe in your mind, you're like, I don't even know really what it's like to give God everything. I don't know what it's like to to say, I, I surrender my life and I, I come up under your authority, God, and I identify with what Jesus did on the cross and that I ask for forgiveness of my sin. I repent, which means I, I, I turn from a life, maybe not even knowing it, a life of sin, and I turn to a life that is given through Christ. Maybe that's the initial step you have to take, or maybe it's just saying, God, I need a clean slate someday. I need a clean slate today where I just like, Wipe everything away. You know my, my, what I've done this week. 
you know my thoughts, you know uh, what I'm scared of, you know uh, the things that make me happy, whatever, God, you know it all, and I just pray that you just clean it real quick for me, just wipe the slate clean so that I can start fresh with you, that I can be restored in your presence, maybe that's it, or maybe he's given definitive direction for your future. Maybe he's, he's given you a purpose and he's even deposited it in your life right now today. He spoke to you through his Holy Spirit and he said something to you. It may be something you are deadly afraid to do, but he's put it in your heart for a reason. You, got, you, you, you have to do it or you'll always be searching. You'll never be fulfilled because true life comes through him. You're only fulfilled through him. So close your eyes, and, and if any of those things apply to you, if you feel like you, you found yourself on that spectrum somewhere that you need a relationship with God through Jesus or, or that you need a clean slate or that he's, he's given you something that he wants you to do or you're searching, I just want you to, to speak that to him now. It doesn't have to be out loud, but just speak that to him in your spirit. Say, God, help me. Help me to know you. Talk to him. That's prayer. Say, God, help me to discover what you have for my life. God, help me to be free from this or that, from anxiety or the fear or whatever it is. God, help me today. And I tell you the truth, he'll meet you right where you're at. Because when you find yourself at the end of yourself, you find yourself at the beginning of him. And that's precisely where he wants you to be. We're too fickle. We're too human. And we don't get it right. But with Him, we will. So God, right now, we, we, we lift our hands as an act of, of surrender. We lift our hands as an act of, of servanthood. We, we lift our hands as an act of understanding that we need you. We're reaching out to you, Dad. I get that picture of when I come home from a busy day or I work or whatever it is and Andalyn stands there with her arms up in the air just wanting daddy. God, we need you right now. We want you right now because you are the author and the perfecter of our faith. You are the beginning and the end of our lives. It begins and it ends with you, so we need you. And we reach up to you. We reach out to you and we surrender. We surrender.